Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Jordan and Lexi here. Hello. Oh, boy. <laughs> Microwaving something? I was going to say, can you hear that? <laughs> My tea is done. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's totally fine. Uh, you can see how uh, high quality production we do. <laughs> Need some afternoon caffeine, guys. Um, so we are, you know, just doing same old stuff over here. I realize that next week is the last full week of quarantine. I mean, as of this point, we'll see. Yeah, because were we told that this was like a six week thing? And then um, I, I heard the date April 30th. Okay. So I, I don't know if that's like the reevaluation date or what, but I realized today as I was okay. the calendar that next week's the last full week. I was like, oh man, I gotta I make it. I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's weird. Um, honestly though, life has not felt very much different for me. I know everybody has no. different lives, but um it hasn't really felt that much different. Jared has been kind of just as busy as normal. Um we've been doing our same kind of things at home and we still have seen people occasionally look out please don't my house. please don't egg or toilet paper in my house so, yeah you um, guys are in a more liberal place than we are yeah so we're just um been seeming pretty normal I mean we have definitely not seen as many people as we normally do yeah. in small groups haven't been doing homeschool co-op nothing like that um our church did meet this past Sunday but doing a drive-in service which was mm-hmm. really really so cool. awesome it was so awesome. It was yeah, that's awesome. It was very, um, it was just really cool. Like it felt very electric. Like people, hmm. we haven't recorded since we had service, right? I feel like I've talked about this already for some reason. No, 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 no. Because I I yeah, we're going to do it. But um, yeah. yeah, it was just really, really cool. And um, it there was just a sense of the body coming together and everyone being so excited to see their family, you know? Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. I hear your yeah, TV seriously. cord. For some reason I can Okay, hear. I'm going to stop hydrating. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was actually a very soothing noise. I can hear your TV cord. Um, yeah, it was just so exciting. And um, we uh, have a person that did the transmitting so we could hear it all in our cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool because whenever – people would like want to amen or something like that everyone was like honking and so it was just it was so fun <laughs> it was hilarious and fun and exciting. okay and, yeah. when you were saying that it was so funny because it reminded me of the time that Jared came to preach at our church and you know we'd hung out with you guys and talked to you guys a lot but we'd never heard Jared preach or we did not know that Jared walked around while preaching <laughs> and Utah yeah. is I mean it's I grew up in the South, so I know like the Southern feel of the culture of the church. Mm-hmm. And that's what it reminded me of with Jared. But it was just so funny because our folks were just not used to Jared's uh, like interaction. <laughs> yes. Well, that's what it is. He's very charismatic yeah. and he has a lot of energy. And it, so when you were talking about the honking, it totally oh, man. It cheered me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have this one guy in our church named Lido who is awesome. And he has like a token phrase that he like at the end of service, he'll be like, oh, hail to the king. And uh, we were yelling that, and uh, it was just it was just really really cool. Just it felt that's cool. Like it felt like the privilege that it should feel on Sundays. That oh, that's cool. That's really it. cool. Um, Man, so it, was, it was just really exciting. And we're gonna do it again this Sunday. We're gonna do it until someone tells us to stop. So yeah, 
or you guys will just meet in your building again, hopefully. Yeah, Lord hopefully willing. that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully yeah. we will just keep meeting until everything's lifted and we can meet together again. I kind of couldn't believe that our drive-thru wouldn't let us um, rent it because I'm like, you would make so much money. But I don't know if they were worried about like being a location where somebody contracted COVID, you know? Right. Like negative press of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, so. One interesting thing, someone was like a news, a local news person was wanting to interview Jared um, about us doing the drive-in service. And Jared was like, I really don't think I'm going to do the interview. <laughs> he was like, yeah. I just don't feel comfortable because you never know what way people are going to spin something. Um, oh my gosh. So, it's so true. Yeah, didn't end up doing it because th- there's just so many different views on what's happening right yes. now that you have to be so cautious on what you're saying. Oh my gosh. And well, you know, well, whenever- yeah, and pe- they're getting weird enough that like I've told you before, I'm not, I'm not worried about actually fighting the virus. It's more just how weird people are getting about families and kids now with the virus. It's yeah more concerning to me. So hopefully that ends as well. <laughs> yeah. You weren't, your kids weren't allowed to come in Costco with you, right? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah. Well, our family exceeded the number per membership limit in the store. So, so my husband wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that's everywhere. Like, I don't know if it's a Costco thing or if it was a Utah thing, but I did I go to a kitchen that. store later that day and mm-hmm. it was the same thing at a, at a smaller store. So I don't know. Weird. Well, we have one small like produce store that I like to go th- to called Fresh Food. Mm-hmm. And they had a sign up that only three people were allowed in the store at a time. So like, mm-hmm. I was like okay, so me and my kids could come in, but not my husband also. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll pretend. <sighs> and everyone, you like had to put gloves on as you entered. And, <gasps> no way! Yeah. Oh my gosh! They that had like so disposable weird. gloves there that you had to put on. So I was like, "Well, oh my gosh!" I feel like every <laughs> I feel like my produce there was very safe. <laughs> wow! Everyone that entered had gloves, and only three people at times. So I'm like, okay. <sighs> but anyway, yeah, lots of craziness. But it was so fun doing the service. And we're gonna do that again. Well, tomorrow. Um. Awesome. Yeah. What have you been doing today? I went and picked up a vintage wall cabinet that I'm going to redo for our Ooh, kitchen. Sweet. Yeah. So what we were in the car for. Me, once you texted me about um, Craigslist and stuff being really good right now, I've sold mm-hmm. a couple things. <laughs> I was like, I should put some Oh, stuff really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So um, I sold, I had some lockers that we weren't using anymore. I'd used them for school, but then we kind of outgrew them for school. So yeah. my dad made me a cabinet. And uh, I had those laying around that I sold. Jared sold a yard cedar thing. So, yeah. Huh. I love selling stuff. feels so good to get stuff out of your house and actually sell it. Really it really does. <laughs> it really, really does. I'm trying to get my house somewhat ready for my grandma because she'll probably be here this um, in a few days now, which will be really awesome. Cool. But, did you guys end up so it's kind of put a fire under my butt to get my stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's cool. it kind of just like an answer to prayer. She kind of just agreed to everything. So she's going to come wow. live out well. She doesn't okay. fully know the whole plan yet, which is okay, Yeah. but she should, should be out here this week and she's just going to kind of go between our place and my parents' place. So that's cool. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Dementia is such a hard um, thing for an older person to go through. And it's cool that yeah. your family, whenever Brian was here, he talked about, um, you know, families being multi-generational things yeah. and, and, um, and even C.R. Wiley talks about like if, if families aren't taking care of mm. their elderly, um, yeah. then someone else's family is just going to be taking care of them. It's, it's like it, yeah. women who leave the home to go and work in like a service thing. It's not like mm-hmm. they're, 
it's not like they're not taking care of people anymore. It's just, they're taking care of yeah. other people. Um, and, yeah, and so you're like when a male abdicates his responsibility, sorry, what was that? I was just thinking like when a male abdicates his um, responsibility, I think a lot of people assume that responsibility just goes poof right, and doesn't right. exist anymore, mm-hmm. but really it's just spread out on other people's shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's really cool and an honor to think about like taking care of a family member that like taking care of an elderly person that you also love, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we tried two years ago, we tried to convince both my grandma and Brian's grandma to move in with us and and it didn't work then. But in that time period, we built our house specifically so that we knew eventually somebody would probably live with us. So Mm -hmm. we don't have stairs on to get into our house and there's Mm -hmm. a bedroom and bathroom on the first level for that reason. So the time is coming. Yeah. We have told all of our family members, like we have, we have a basement, um, that has a bedroom and bat. Well, we'll have bathrooms not finished, but it has a bedroom and bathroom down here, but there's an outside exit, um, Mm -hmm. an outside Mm -hmm. entrance and exit that, so like it could work, um, Mm -hmm. for family members, but yeah, we're thinking along those same lines as well of like taking care of generations that have taken care of us. (laughs) We did, we have, my mom's been doing a little bit of researching and learning about it and it seems more hopeful than we thought at first. I think Honestly, it's just, it's really opened our eyes to the fact that when you need people, when you're older, you really need people. She went downhill when all this social isolation stuff started, but two, um, you, she just needs someone to take care of her and cook good food for her. My mom's been hearing that a lot of the times you can reverse a lot of the early onset by just being well taken care of. So we're really yeah, hopeful well, at this awesome. point. Yeah. Which, which makes a lot of sense. Like I'm, I had a great grandma and a grandma that both once went into nursing homes, went mm-hmm. downhill drastically. Oh, wow. Um, and I know that some mm. of that can be due to like change and things that are yes. not as familiar anymore, but also mm-hmm. just like not being taken care of as well as you were probably yeah. in your own home. So yeah, well, oh, yeah. I'm excited for you guys and that'll, that'll be a blessing for her and, and for your family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which kind of leads us right into what we were wanting to talk about. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so Lexi and I have been talking about wanting to do a bit of a series on historical women that, um, that they have influenced our lives and that concepts from their lives we think are positive things that we could kind of pull out and talk about and, um, just think th- further about and hopefully be a positive influence on our listeners' lives as well. So today yeah. we're going to be talking about Edith Schaefer and, Lexi, you just read a book about Edith Schaefer, didn't you? Didn't you say you just finished a book about her? I just finished her, it's like, it's not actually her autobiography, but it's it's the book she wrote about their organization, if you will. I don't okay. know what they consider it, but. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Well, I don't know that much about Edith Schaefer. I mean, I know okay. general stuff, but you know a lot more. So I'm going to yeah. let Lexi talk a while and then we're going to kind of um, brush out some of the concepts and how we can apply them to our lives and just pull positive um, influences from saints who have come before us that God mm-hmm. used in really positive ways. Yep. So I, when I was in college, I didn't go, I went to a secular university and um, my degree was in creative writing and my emphasis was in poetry. And so I was trying to find all sorts of like Christian artists basically to incorporate in some of my studies. And at that point, I had happened upon Edith Schaefer for the first time. I was married, but we didn't have any kids. And I got my hands on, I think the first book I read was The Hidden Art of Homemaking. Um, And like my big takeaway still from that book was that God placed the first family in a garden setting. And that's how he intends for all family settings to be. 
And honestly, that thought alone has just kind of been the trajectory of our entire marriage and family life since then. Okay. Um, In what way? Well, I mean, it just really influenced my desire to try and create a life for my family that's worth living and that's beautiful. Um, just kind of like going the extra step that naturally I wouldn't want to go. Um, and I wasn't necessarily, I would have considered myself a tomboy, I think. Um, so just the, the idea of homemaking being an art in general that needs to be honed in on as a female was really, really helpful for me. Cool. So yeah, so that entire book is just, oh my gosh, it's so good. I, I think though my favorite one is her book that's called What is a Family? Um, but so I, I started down that path and I'm going to back up. I'll tell you guys a little bit about their family in a minute, but, um, about two years after that, I was, I had just had our second little boy and a friend of mine gave me for the children's sake. And the author of that is Susan Schaefer Macaulay, but I didn't connect immediately that she was a Schaefer from the Schaefer family, but I loved the Charlotte Mason concepts in there. And so once I finally realized that Edith and Susan were, you know, mother and daughter, I was just, it, it pressed home their worldview even more to me Mm -hmm. because not only was I seeing it in the home setting, but then I was seeing it in the education setting. Yeah. Which that book is just beautiful. I actually did read that one and I didn't know either until you told me, um, that that was, but, um, yeah, man, what a beautiful view of education. I remember right after I read that, it had been months after I read that. And I was just like telling Brian how, how grateful I was that God, like just helped me learn about Charlotte Mason. And and he told me, you've been such an easier person to live with since you have started learning about this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's true. I mean, the concepts of personhood apply Mm -hmm. to so much more than just, than just school. (laughs) Right. So So, tell us a little bit about Francis and Edith Schaefer. Yeah. So Francis, so Edith, I, I, I know either Africa or China. I get confused as to where she was born. She was born in one of those places from what I understand. China? Okay. Yeah, I was just doing like a little Wikipedia stud search on her before we did this. And I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, she was uh, from a missionary family, but they ended up back in the States, which is where she met her husband, Francis. And I believe they were in Pennsylvania when they met and they got married. Um, and I haven't read as much about him. So more about her, but I think that he was a pastor and he started to hear basically about the, what I would consider the false worldview of liberalism sweeping through Europe. And he just really felt like he wanted, he wanted to go and learn about it to help equip people against it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were not attached to an organization. They did not have a ton of funding. They didn't do fundraising. They weren't like, um, you know, what's it called? Like when you, they, um, like, you know, when we went through Sojourn Network, how we were evaluated, I guess yeah. you mm-hmm. could say they weren't evaluated and sent off. They just kind of felt like, okay, we're going to step down from our pastorate and we're going to go over to, I think it was Switzerland, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And they just lived faithful lives there. It was so crazy. They use their hospitality to get to know people in their, um, like their villages and mm-hmm. they just had family worship and people started hearing about it and started coming. And years and years later, it well, actually not years and years. I think it was like seven years. They had, I think at least two or three other locations for what they call 
I don't know if it's Labri or Labri. Mm-hmm. If somebody has heard one of them pronounce it, please correct me because I've been trying to figure it out all this time. <laughs> but they just, they wanted to become known as a home where anyone who had questions, believers, unbelievers could come and study and learn a proper Christian worldview mm-hmm. and how it relates to all of life. Yeah. So, I mean, Edith was a huge, huge anchor in making that possible because that meant that she was basically running a hotel out of her home, mm-hmm. feeding people all the time. Like I said, they didn't have like regular consistent money that they could bank on coming in. Um, she had to be very creative. They, it was just such a cool environment because when people were committing to coming and studying in their home, they would, she would kind of say, okay, if that's the case, and these are the household tasks that need to be done, this is the daily schedule of your studies, and then you're going to help in the family, and then we're going to go work in the garden together, and these are the meals you're in charge of, and they knew that you could not separate the secular from the spiritual, mm-hmm. and you can just see it in the, the daily schedules that they ran as a family. Yeah. So, um, yeah very, very influential in seeing how your hospitality overflows to change an entire, entire nation. I mean, in my opinion, he is one of the men who basically spearheaded the, what I would consider like the modern evangelical movement before it went liberal, because now that's liberal too. But he was one of the major founders in the, um, the National Evangelical Association, I think, that was really trying, when liberalism came to America, he was really trying to put down roots in the, the gospel of the Bible. Mm-hmm. so they're just they are an awesome family and you can see the fruit down the generation still of what of what they believed and you can go visit all the different library homes all over the the world and there's one in the u.s i think it's in massachusetts if i remember correctly that's so cool it's cool how one person's hospitality could do so much and oh I my think, gosh i think that's one thing that we wanted to hit on today um mm-hmm. was just the fact that her faithfulness and i mean she just died in like 2000 and what was it like three or yeah not that long ago i think it's 2013 um but her faithfulness that started probably small um Mm -hmm. made big big impact in multiple countries um Mm -hmm. and so just just thinking about whenever we are doing our um hospitality, whatever it might be, whatever faithfulness God's putting in front of you to not see it as small, um, to see that, um, faithfulness in the hands of the Lord can do huge things. And Mm -hmm. I feel like their family is a great example of that. Um, and go ahead. Um, there was something I did want to touch on too. Like if you're, if you consider yourself a post-millennialist, the Schaefer's are like the example of Christ's kingdom coming down and transforming the world because you know they move into this village where they're the only Christian family and by the time they're leaving almost every single household in their village is one being used um, being used with the original purpose but now for with a Christian end in mind for example there was a like um, a home for children with disabilities in their in their village mm-hmm. and totally secular but then a group came in got saved by their meeting the Schaefer's and then now they're running this home for disability children and they're all believers. Mm. And this just kind of swept through the entire village. And she has a hand drawn map in the front of the book I just finished. Um, where you hear throughout the whole book, you're hearing the stories of what each of the families 
and the different um, like working groups in those buildings or villages, they were just all transformed by the gospel. And now it's a little Christian village in the Alps. It's amazing. That is amazing. Super cool. cool. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of her books and stuff, they were written like in seventies. Is that right? Yeah. She's, yeah, yeah, it's pretty old. it, I just remembered that it was older than I thought it was when I actually read this book. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because I, I was reading on Wikipedia about her, just general stuff. And it, it says on here that she was influ- influential, that she is influential among women in the Christian patriarchy movement is what they titled it. <laughs> and I was like, the Christian patriarchy movement. I'm like, it's hilarious that this is consi- like that biblical feminism and biblical masculinity yeah. is considered like a movement. But um, yeah, hopefully it's a revolution that's happening. But um, yeah. the books that she wrote in the 70s are like super influential right now with people who are embracing um, biblical roles. So mm-hmm. I just think that's awesome and that it's stood the test of time. <laughs> I think one other thing too, that kind of connects it to our earlier conversation is she was so big on care of the sick mm-hmm. and her books are immensely, immensely practical, um, in regards to how to care for a sick person. And if you're willing to humble yourself and try some of what she has to say, um, I totally think it will transform the way you view. Cause when your kids are sick, it's really hard. You're tired. You're usually the only one that they want. Mm. Um, you often get sick. But just some of her tips, I wish I had um, put them into practice earlier in my parenting. And I will just say it's been a joy to take care of my family through this last six season, um, just learning from her. Yeah. So uh, is there a certain book that she talks about that in or is this just in her? That one was from what is a family, I believe. Mm-hmm. But she had like her son had polio. One of her daughters often got is it, I think it's scarlet fever that comes back multiple times. Hmm. Um, so she just really in the middle of immense, immense ministry out of her home, seven plus people living with her at a time and then caring for her sick kids on top of it. Yeah. Like yeah. super lady, super right. lady. But she said, you know, it's all by the grace of God. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. that was how God was calling her to be obedient. We don't all need to be Edith Schaefer's, but right. we do need to see how God is calling us to be obedient where we are. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't remember if it was on your, um, stories that you did about your, um, medical stuff that you're putting together for your family or oh, yeah. if it was like a quote from her. I can't remember where I saw this, but, um, I think it was from you that you were talking about just whenever your family, whenever you're taking care of, um, family member that is ill to make it be a beautiful place. And, yeah. um, and was it her that said like, add yeah. flowers on yeah. the table beside them <laughs> yeah. and like, um, open the windows, make good smells in the house, like yeah. do, do things that are comforting and beautiful uh-huh. and how much of an impact that that makes on mm-hmm. the person who is not feeling well. And then also on yourself to like, oh, yeah. make this be as an enjoyable of an atmosphere for everyone yes. involved as possible. Oh yeah. Something she said this last time when we got really sick, probably with coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> um, she said, if they don't want to eat the food you make for them, don't worry about it. Put it back mm-hmm. in the fridge. Don't get mad. They'll eat it later. And right. I was like, oh my gosh, that totally yeah. changed my temperament what when it freedom. came to people. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so one kind of a weird question that I do want to ask is, mm-hmm. so they have a unbelieving child, um, Frank, his name's Frank Schaefer. Um, and he's like a well-known, okay. he wrote a, a book about atheism actually. And really? Yes. Um, cause whenever I was talking to Jared about it, he was, like, she, he told me and I looked it up and I, I just, 
I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this. So what, okay. what do you think the role of legacy, like how, how do we see legacy when it comes to a child of faithful saints that is not walking with the Lord? I think, okay. So first of all, um, I think that God hardening someone's heart is also God's will being shown just like God softening Mm -hmm. someone's heart. And I think that's, that's hard. And we don't always like to acknowledge that, but the part of the parents is to share the gospel, obviously, but God's will will be done either way. Yeah. Um, so obviously we don't like that. I think, um, there's one family that I know of in particular that they have, all unbelieving children except one and mm. they have a large family and they were kind of like asking our pastor's opinion of like, do you think we're qualified for ministry or does that disqualify us completely that we have one son who's walking away from the Lord? And, you know, I, I don't, Brian's recommendation to them was that your general ministry and fruit of your ministry in your family is generally good fruit. We mm. cannot control the Lord's hand in all of these yeah. instances. So, I mean, ultimately at the very end of their life, we will know what that legacy is like, but yeah. I think we can also generally look at families and see if there is good or bad fruit, yeah. if that makes sense. Right. Uh, I think it's a good reminder just that salvation belongs in the hand of the Lord. Absolutely. Uh, no matter how much faithfulness that we have poured in, that ultimately we trust the Lord, that yep. we can't control salvation. And I feel like that example of their family is a good reminder of that um Mm -hmm. as obviously they seem to be very faithful um servants of the lord but um yeah one of their children is not a christian so has jared read that book no i don't uh, i don't know i don't know i'll have to i don't think so but he may have because he knew about it so maybe he has okay i don't know i think the interesting question there is like i could see it going one of two ways i could see it going man, cause he was the youngest of their children and he was, I believe two or three when they moved overseas. So I could see him saying, you know, they spent so much time in the ministry. I was neglected, mm-hmm. you know, go that sort of a route. Um, and I can see how people could get fearful then of pouring into ministry, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think I, in the past have fallen on that side in wanting to make like uh, almost in a way family be the idol in order to, um, garner my children's salvation. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it was, um, who's the mustache man that was at Sojourn a couple Trip. of years ago? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, two things, just remembering that like your, your family, first of all, qualifies you for ministry. But second of all, we like Brian regularly tells our kids, like, this is a gift that we serve in ministry together as a family. Mm-hmm. Like we're excited about the church. We love our church family. This is a good thing. So it doesn't become, we're not speaking to them in the language of burden and burnt out and depression when we're thinking of ministry, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So just if, if somebody hears that and might feel fearful of then going out and doing ministry, I don't, I don't want you to think that it's in, there's two options and that's it. Right. Yeah. In regards to this. Very true. Jared's reading The Gospel Comes with a House Key right now mm-hmm. by Butterfield is her last name. Yeah. And we were talking about it a little bit today. Just she gives examples in there of like, um, you know, times that there has been what seemed like um, negative, you know, negative things that have happened, whether it be like 
hard relationships or like strained relationships with foster children um, that she talks about or like mm. they got robbed and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. different stuff like that in the book. And um, she was saying in there, so does this mean that those were like fruitless times or something like that or that, or that, that yes. it didn't work or something like that? And she said, absolutely not because oh. the fruit of it was me obeying what God put in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's important with this conversation too, is like, no matter what happens, we obey in the moment and know that our conscience yes. is clear if we obeyed in the moment. Yes. Yes. Brian is always telling me that the best way to be prepared for whatever God has in the future is obeying right this second. Yeah. Not some future time, but right now, what God has right in front of you. Yeah. Jared always says obedience one step at a time. It's like, what, yes. you, you don't try to figure out what's coming up. Like, okay, what do you have to do today? Okay. Obey today. Obey, mm-hmm. Obedience one day at a time. And tomorrow, obedience one day at a time. The next day, obedience one day at a time. And just living like that, living like, okay, what's God mm-hmm. have in front of me right this second, instead of trying to figure out some kind of future, <laughs> yes, future plan um, that we couldn't. Brian just preached through the hall of faith um, last oh, yeah. week. And um, I don't know why I had never thought about this before, but he was saying like, if, I'm paraphrasing him, but he was basically saying, if you want to be an elderly patient lady, that starts with repenting of impatience to your children today. That's yeah. not something that yeah, you just good. get to. And yeah. Nancy Wilson has kind of said the same thing in regards to like, what kind of a lady do you want to be? Make a game plan to get there right now. Hmm. And awesome. it just really changed the way I was thinking of things this week. Cause I wasn't like, Oh man, man I lost it again. My legacy is gone. What a bummer. <laughs> it was more like, okay, right now, just go repent, go ask them to forgive yeah. you and start clean. And it, I handled it so much better and things were overall, there was less sin going on overall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's awesome. It's cool. All right. Yeah. Anything else you have to say about Edith Schaefer? Um, I don't think so. Just go get one of her books and let us know what you think about it. Cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. This show is a part of the ministry of the Shepherd's Crook. The Shepherd's Crook exists to remind pastors of Jesus through care, coaching, resources, and events. We have also started the Shepherd's Crook for wives. Jordan and Lexi are contributing articles to the site, and you can find all the information at theshepherdscrook.co.